Hi, entrepreneurs. It's Steph here, and I want to be sure you've had the opportunity to reserve your ticket to our Entrepreneurs Founders Weekend for our Wealth and Wellness Retreat presented by Chase Inc. We will be hosting our event at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando, Florida from May 3rd to May 5th, and you are definitely going to want to be there with us. This is going to be your opportunity to build relationships with some of the most powerful women in business. And I can share with you firsthand that the best business relationships are formed when we really get together in person. And I just know so much business magic is going to happen when we're all together. From educational panels, networking activities to wellness activations, inspiring keynotes and breakout sessions. This is going to be a weekend you are not going to want to miss. So you can reserve your ticket today over at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. We only have a few tickets left, so be sure that you reserve yours today. That's entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend. I cannot wait to see you there. We are thrilled to announce that our iFund Women campaign is now live. We have supported so many women through Entrepreneurista, and we're excited to share this opportunity with you to support our campaign so we can continue to help women business owners and leaders. Our funding goal is $100,000, which means that every dollar counts. And you know what the best part is? We've created incredible rewards that will help you as part of our campaign. When you fund our campaign, you're going to get access to an exclusive Entrepreneurista League membership rate, dedicated Instagram and website features to promote you and your business, interviews on the Entrepreneurista podcast and our new podcast that's launching in 2022, Startups and Stilettos, one-on-one sessions with myself or Courtney and so much more. You can visit ifundwomen.com forward slash projects forward slash Entrepreneurista to contribute any amount that you feel comfortable with. Seriously, every dollar, every share, and every mention on social to your network counts and is beyond appreciated. Thank you for supporting us and women everywhere. It truly means the world to us. Now, go enjoy the next episode. We need to take care of ourselves. And that's something I didn't do for a long time. I really suffered for it. The people around me suffered for it. I can tell when I'm getting burnt out. And so when I'm starting to get burned out or really frustrated, I start to pull back. When I see I'm getting snappy, it's not right. So I need to, I know that I'm missing something. And so then I got to go fill myself back up. And that's what I have gotten over the idea of being guilty for that. As the founder and CEO of the only women-owned cosmetic brush manufacturer in the world, Anissa Telwar Kaker is truly a pioneer in her industry. She started her business in 1992 and for almost three decades has redefined the leadership, product development strategy, and culture of her global company. Alongside her own collections, Anissa partners with some of the most esteemed brands in the beauty industry to supply their makeup and skincare brushes as well. Her company's mission is to redefine beauty by creating inclusive and innovative products that take care of their consumers, partners, and society. Coming up, Anissa shares how she navigated unforeseen circumstances in her business, how to find the competitive advantage that sets your brand apart, what it really takes to run a manufacturing company, and why influencers matter so much in the beauty industry. And finally, Anissa shares how she and her team are committed to empowering women. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Anissa, we are so excited to chat with you today and share your incredible entrepreneurista journey. I know you've had quite the career building your business, but I would really love to hear a bit about how you got started in your business. What was, what was the spark? So the story is, it's funny. It's just, I fell into it, literally. Uh, this is not something I thought I would be doing. I never thought in my life that I would be so passionate about makeup brushes and now skincare brushes and that I would be such a part of the beauty industry. 
when I began this journey, I had started working with a family business and I was very young. I was 17 when I actually started working with the entrepreneurial mother who had to learn how to really um, survive because my parents had gotten divorced. And it was just all this stuff, you know, that was behind the scenes of my childhood and how I, I was brought up. And but she was a dynamo. And in the 80s, for a woman to be an entrepreneur and she was traveling to the Middle East and she was doing a lot of business with men in a huge industry of commodity goods. And I learned international trade from her. During that period, I met this gentleman from Korea who his family was able to make brushes and he was having a hard time. So I was 21, he was 25. I said, let me try to sell your brushes for you. I'm going to New York, I can do it, I'm so smart. I called on Revlon when I was 21 and I really was the most embarrassing meeting I think I've ever had in my life where I walked in <laughs> And I'm like, I, there's no other brush like this in the world. I have the only brush. And the guy literally opened his drawer and said, you mean like this? Um, like he had tons of brushes that look like that. So it was a huge lesson. So it told me, okay, you better be prepared. If you ever call on anybody again, like really be prepared and create innovation. So at 21, that woke me up. And then after my mother's business literally fell apart, I had, I had to find something to do. I had not finished college because I started working for her. And so I began this company at 24 and yeah, now we're where we are, you know, almost 30 years later. That is such an inspiring and incredible story. I want to hear a little bit about your mom's company actually, and working in that business. And you said the company failed. What was seeing that like, and what were some of the learning lessons that you saw early on that you then were able to take to the company that you've built? So my mother was, you know, she came to this country. And she was first generation, right? She became an American citizen. She was uh, Russian descent, raised in Turkey, met my father at a very young age. And there was a fire in her belly though. Like she wanted to create something and she knew she had a real opportunity to do so. So she had to kind of beg my dad for $10,000 to please start a company. Now she had four kids had gotten her CPA degree, but she knew that she could import products into the United States, that she had connections in the Middle East. And she thought, let me try, you know? So for some reason, that's where she started. And she imported rugs, like just rugs that she put in the trunk of her car and drove around and would sell to the rich doctors in Nashville, Tennessee. That's how she started this. And then she realized it would be better to export from the US instead of import. So the U.S. commodities, the food and things and different kinds of furniture. So she just created this business out of nowhere where I was literally 12 years old in our garage and she would take catalogs of other companies. We would copy them and add her company name at the top and that would be our sales sheet. And she then would go and try to sell these products and she'd add a margin. She knew how to trade. She was very gracious in her approach and how to present product and the value add she offered, which was that she would take care of everything. She understood them, but she was just a heck of a marketer. So I started working with her with this international trading. She started getting government contracts because she was woman owned. They had to give a certain percentage. She figured that out. She was able to get banking relationships. She was able to do everything that, I mean, she just taught herself from the beginning. She was tough, you know, it was really tough to work for my mother. That was not fun. I don't recommend anybody to really do that. <laughs> uh, I had, you know, the school of hard knocks and she told me at one point, stop calling me mother. You will now call me Fatima because I was <laughs> with her. Like, you know, so I was like, okay. So she taught me so much about, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, strategy. I didn't know that's what I was learning. And she also said a small customer will take as much energy as a large customer. So go for the bigger opportunity. It's all the same. And she taught me how to push through fear because, you know, she seemed like she was fearless, but she was scared out of her mind most of the time. You know, it was really intense what she was having to do with no support, you know, always having to deal with people who didn't believe in her and who were constantly challenging and testing her. And I saw her overcome that. You know, there was a price to it because it was tough. And it's not like she had a really great business model. Like we were very concentrated in one, in one country after a period of time. And that's why her business dissolved when the first Gulf War happened. We were shipping a lot to Iraq under an oil for food program. And who could have thought 
that Iraq would invade Kuwait? And who would have thought there would have been a war? And who would have been a thought that there would have been an embargo? All our goods were embargoed at a, the port in Texas. We could not get them out. It was a really tough time. It was 1990 and it was devastating because she, we were at $100 million in contracts and it was gone in a matter of 24 hours. Yeah, so I have seen, that's why I think with COVID, it was a bit of PTSD for me because I was like, oh my God, like what's just happened, you know? So things that we cannot foresee in business will happen. After that Revlon meeting that you were talking about, what did you do next? How did you start the business that you have now? Well, first I went to lick my wounds a little bit and then <laughs> I, you know, I was so embarrassed. Um, but the guy told me to come back. He was cool. He was a very cool guy. He's like, listen, when you have something more original, you come back, I will talk to you. So I opened the door and I kept that door open, thanked him for the meeting, was gracious as I could be, walked out of there, went and spoke to my partner. He was going to become my partner. I said, don't you ever do that to me again. Like the transparency and trust between us is going to be everything. And I'm going to validate everything you now say to me, just to be sure. And he realized, I think nobody had ever made him in a sense or expected accountability. And I told him for us to succeed, we have to be original and we have to create something that does not exist. And that's how then I started this process. And really it didn't happen until I left my mother's company. So I sustained the business. I started to get, I got orders from Revlon. Um, he introduced me to someone who was in the, who was in the business, this woman, an older Irish woman named Anna McLaughlin, who took pity on me, I think, because I was so green and she helped me, like she became a coach and a mentor to me. How was I going to get into Revlon? She showed me the way. And it was initially, it was a competitive bidding process. So we came in with best price, best quality, and best delivery. And our service was phenomenal. And she had not experienced that. So that is how it began. That's so important to find something that really sets you apart. Can you talk to us a little bit about what running a manufacturing company is like? So I've been doing this now for 18 years and I had no operational experience. I am a marketer. I'm a product developer. I'm your salesperson. And I had to do this out of necessity. So this gentleman who I started this business with after 15 years decided he was going to go it alone. So I had nothing after all these years of building this with him. So starting my own facility was out of, again, necessity out of something very adverse that had happened. And synchronistically, I met some people that could help me start it. But for the first two years, it was rough. And I don't, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I had orders I needed to fulfill. So we were able to figure it out. And there's, there's a lot to this. <laughs> there's a lot to running a manufacturing facility. And I had good people that helped me do it because I did not know what to do. So we shared the responsibility. I brought them the business. We were able to perform. We were, the quality was the first thing. You know, I've always been, whether I know operational KPIs or not, I understood quality and I understood transparency. So I think with manufacturing in today's world, if you're going to engage someone, and I, I worked with someone recently who she credits me to her business because I said to her, if you're gonna produce from China, well, you need to go look at the facility. How are you going to buy something and not see who's making it for you? It's important. You go into the facility, you meet with the team, you do as much due diligence as you can. So in my own manufacturing facility, that's what I pride ourselves on. And I think that's why we have been successful, even with not having enough experience. We are going to be as honest as we can be, you know, and if we are making mistakes, we're going to share those mistakes. Because there are a lot of people in the industry like Procter & Gamble, Estee Lauder, they helped me improve my new facility because they understood the standard. And so we used their, you know, intelligence. And that's what, that's how I survived in the beginning. Now it's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level that I am in the weeds and I'm putting an ERP system in. I'm hiring new people. I think I can, I have a little bit better capability on how to keep them honest, but it's tough. You know, it's all about metrics. It's all about data. Where is your facility? Where do you manufacture? We have two facilities now in Northern China. So Tianjin and it's near Beijing. It's near Shanghai. 
and it's very close to Mongolia. It's, you know, a flight from South Korea, very easy to get to. And it was one of the locations when they had the Olympics in Beijing. Wow. You mentioned that you, you know, parted ways with your business partner after 15 years. What were some of the learning lessons from that relationship? And did you have an operating agreement in place with him? What were some of the learnings from, from that relationship? So when, you know, you think I started at 21 and he was 25, he was on a handshake. We became very connected. Like I was his business wife, you know, that's what we, you know, I, we trusted each other. I would work during the day with customers at night, we'd be on calls for product development because of the time change. He was able to ship to me goods without any kind of collateral. That's because I couldn't get a line of credit in the beginning. There was so much alignment and trust. You know, when I started to build the business, I think the alignment and trust started to uh, get very cloudy. You know, when when money starts, when real money starts to come into play, it it became like I did not know what he was thinking, and he was not telling me what he was thinking. And so, when I started to push for a contract towards the end, uh, he was not open to it. So it was always based on trust. And I had done a project with Emory, who's in Atlanta, you know, one of the, you know, the business colleges, and they were, the project was on my supply chain. And they said to me, you have a lot of risk with your supply chain. He is your only supplier. You have no agreement. I literally told them they were, you guys are ridiculous. I'm fine. It was within a year that everything started to fall apart. Wow. Yeah. I mean, something we, we always talk to all of our entrepreneurs about is, the importance of having agreements in place from the beginning and making sure that everything is buttoned up because I feel like, you know, we hear these stories all of the time and we so want to trust partners and people in business, but at the end of the day, you know, business is business and you have to have to have all of these things in writing and have your I's dotted and your, and your T's crossed. So def definitely a lot of learning lessons there. And thank you for, for sharing that story, because I think it's really helpful for, for women to hear just the importance of, of having all of these documents put together from the start. No, I mentor a lot of women and men. And now the first thing I talk about is contract. I said, you have to prepare for the wheels to fall off the bus. They may never, and there's no such thing as a 50, 50 partnership. Someone has to be in control. So these are the things I, I'm in agreement with you. You know, even you have family businesses, husband and wives in business. No, you need to plan if the worst is going to happen. Yes. I mean, you're right. It's impossible for it not to be. It's a very dramatic thing that's happened to all of us. You know, first, of course, the top line got hit. Uh, and then the people, you know, how many people we lost because of their choice or whatever, you know, reason. Uh, the way that we now engage our customer, the way we now engage the plant. I mean, a lot of silver linings. There's been a lot of good. I launched a brand right before COVID, which was hugely painful. It has, it took a number on me, like it really the, the, the year, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how bad it was going to get. Nobody knew. We didn't know when we're going back. And we're the kind of business that because we are product development, innovation, very creative, we really need hands-on. And when you're dealing with product development in companies, it's, it was tougher because you're doing Zoom calls. You have to send so many submissions to so many people when you ideally would have a conversation and talk it through and talk through new opportunity because we collaborate, we create with our customers. That stopped. And... I think because they didn't know, we didn't know, but I was lucky because we were in the South. I hate to say it, but we were, because we were in the South, things were not as strict. And I had, I have a open plan in my office and that we have an outside. So I brought people back to work and pretty quick and people did not like it. And then people started really questioning, I think their impact in our organization. I thought they, you know, they, when we were doing great, it seemed like everything was fine. When there was nothing to do, they realized maybe they didn't want to be there. So I lost about 30% of my staff and then launching a new brand. The team I had didn't trust me. I didn't know what I was doing. Like it was really crazy. So it became very intense. You know, I didn't know like, wow, I just invested all this money in a new brand and then COVID hit. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of issues with my own confidence that I think I hadn't felt in a very long time that I had to really look at myself. What am I doing and why am I doing this?
Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. As a founder, or really as a woman in business who is creating their own success, whether you're just starting a business or you're scaling it, dealing with finances and money can often feel very overwhelming and intimidating. We have all been there. But according to fellow entrepreneurista and personal finance expert, Varnoosh Tarabi, that fear can surprisingly be very helpful for your future success and wealth. Varnoosh is the host of the So Money podcast and the author of the best-selling book, A Healthy State of Panic. She gets candid about all things finance with leading business experts every Friday on her podcast. And she dives deeper into the nine biggest fears that hold us back both professionally and personally in her latest book, including rejection, loneliness, fear of missing out and failure to name a few. She offers a wealth of knowledge and tackles the relatable feelings we all experience about money. So you are definitely going to want to subscribe to her podcast. And if you want to meet Farnoosh live and in person, be sure to join us at our Entrepreneurista Founders Weekend event from May 3rd to May 5th at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Farnoosh will be speaking and she cannot wait to connect with you. You can reserve your ticket at entrepreneurista.com forward slash founders weekend and we will see you there. Let's talk about your new brand. Please share with us everything that we need to know. So I started it in 2019 in September. I had to push it out the door because I had taken me three years and I was never going to get it out the door. So I just threw it off the cliff and said, good luck. You know, you just have to start. Just have to go. I had to get it out the door. We had products. That's what I think is amazing about what we do. I manufacture my own products. So my supply chain is super tight. Our innovation, our pipeline is huge. So we have quite a few products now on anisabeauty.com. Um, uh, we are manufacturing makeup brushes, which are unique. Uh, very innovative. A lot of patented types of techniques are involved in head shapes. Our rock star is our foundation brush. Super proud of it. I have launched skincare brushes. That's taking time. People are not really considering product pairing with a tool. So right now, when you think about your makeup, you're really not putting your powder, your concealer, or your foundation on with your hands. If you are, you should not. But if you are, you know, using good makeup, you probably have a good brush that's your best friend. And now with skincare brushes, we're offering the same and cleaning tools. And so I feel I am just learning how to create this engagement with brand because brand is about community. Mm -hmm. Right now we're all about product. So I'm learning in this next year, which we just had our second year anniversary. Congrats. Thank you. I'm learning that this brand could make a real difference in the world that we live in the sense of how women feel about themselves and the way that they can face their, their life and in the call to actions that we are going to be educating people about when it comes to social justice and equality. So I'm excited that I have a, a front line now because I've always been behind the line, even though I was really scared to do it, really afraid, I don't wanna, you know, it's a vulnerable feeling, right? That you offer something, you don't know how people will receive it, but I'm, a, I'm happy with the reception. And so we're just getting started and it's going to be good. That's so exciting. I want to hear a little bit more about some of your best tips and secrets with makeup brushes because, and skincare brushes, because you've been in the industry for so many years. And I feel like so many of us just don't know anything about brushes. We just use the ones that we, you know, maybe grab at the drugstore or if we're buying new makeup, but we actually don't know that there should be different brushes for each type of makeup. So tell us all of your secrets. <laughs> So there does, it could be less is more, it could be fine with that, but it's just really understanding how to use brushes, right? So your skin, your face, our skin, like it's everything. And everybody's face is different. Everybody's skin is different. What they need is different. So you start first with, okay, what kind of makeup do you want to put on your face? What do you feel good about? Kind of moisturizers, concealers, full foundations, matte coverage, whatever it is. Start with the product that you love, that gives you the result. Then you find the tool and that tool is going to maximize that product. So talking to friends, I think is like, that's why influencers matter. That's why it used to be great to go to retail and have those sit down sessions, but you have to feel your way through and you have to test things. 
And I think it's finding someone in your life that you trust and you like the way their makeup looks. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me what you're using. I think it's really important that we have these conversations because like right now I'm trying, you know, when you research, like, I think we should take the time to research. Like we, like I need to research a good bra, right? I need to research like where I travel. I need to research if I'm, I want to learn more about lymphatic drainage, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're all having to do this all the time, but finding those trusted um, brands or people and then listen to them and then give yourself some time, but a good foundation brush, a good concealer brush, now good cleansing brushes, Mm -hmm. good brushes or tools to help you do the lymphatic drainage around your skin, your face. So if you don't want to do corrective yet, how do you stimulate what's going on in your skin? I think those are things to be focusing on. I think what you just shared about having people show you and education and research is so important. And I'm so excited to try your brushes. And I know we're going to be doing all of these fun upcoming events with our Entrepreneurial Lee community, where you and the team are going to share with us how to use the brushes. Cause I think that's key too. It's like someone tells you, here's the brush to get, that's great, but how do we use it? Yes. So I can't wait to, I can't wait to do all of these events with you coming up soon. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. Can you share with us how you launched the brand? What were your initial marketing strategies? Uh, so it was a lot about that we are a founder, a founder brand, that the history I had, you know, for 30 years behind the scenes, that kind of intel inside. Also, the whole point about us having this fully integrated manufacturing. So really hitting on that consumers want more transparency. That's the direction that they're going in. We were going to very much focus on being an e-com brand, which was the right play. We were not going to go into retail yet. So based on being totally e-com, the IG story that we would tell or the emails that we would send had to be indicative of sharing about who we are. Also, it was picking the right influencers that people already trusted. So that that has been our strategy this last two years, and it is working to a point. Um, The education piece, we're trying to figure out how do we, you know, really show women what this brush can do for you? So I do think it's still through influencers. It's through the platforms that exist today, but I feel like that we need to take it up a notch. So that's what I'm trying to figure out now. Well, we can definitely help you with that at social fly. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I know when you were talking about what you guys do, I'm like, okay, we need to have a conversation. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, we'll have a separate conversation on that. Our mission at Social Fly is to help brands set a new standard for how to reach women audiences. So I always love asking, is there any insight you can share on your your target customer? What have you learned about her? So it's also him. So to be, you know, which is wonderful. You have a lot of guys using makeup brushes, which I just love. And then the whole idea of skincare brushes. So what I've learned is how long she's taking to put on her makeup how long she's taking to put on her skincare, that she does spend still quite a bit on brushes, but she's not spending on brushes that will be sustainable. She's throwing them away instead of cleaning them and taking care of them. She's not thinking, okay, where are they coming from? She's not really thinking about that. She just wants to know that she hasn't done any harm. Like she doesn't need any pressure to know about all the little details she just needs to know that what she buys will not harm anything. So that's something, again, I think is really important to her. And she's confused still, right? She doesn't know, like, she's, she can feel a bit still intimidated. He, she can feel intimidated. But, you know, I think there's a huge opportunity. That's why I'm into that I do brushes. I think there's so much opportunity for people to understand how much it can make their life a lot easier. I'm so excited to to try all of these brushes because I I think I am your your customer. I think we both are, and it's you know so interesting to learn about the difference with, between all of these brushes, how to actually use them. Because I can say firsthand, like I have no idea. I don't have any of that experience, but I use makeup and I'm using my hands to put on my uh, tinted moisturizer. <laughs> Stop. Send so help. My, send help. <laughs> so my pinnacle foundation that I just mentioned for you. The way it is shaped is not flat. It's domed and it's a triangle. So it gets all over your face. It won't get in your hairline. You could do concealer. So you will get a full coverage application 
with tinted moisturizer. Your skin will look pretty flawless. And then it acts like a sponge where you could press in if there's any areas that you want to have a, get a little bit more coverage. It has density and flexibility. It is foolproof. You cannot mess up your makeup. Even if you're being heavy handed, you can blend it out. That's my pinnacle foundation and it will change your world. Just wow. try. Oh, well, so you just got two new customers. Yeah, we're, we're in, we're yeah. in. Put a little concealer underneath, put your tin and moisturizer on top and you're going to look flawless. You know, launching a brand is, is not an easy thing to do. How do you divide your time now between managing the brand and the manufacturing? So to be honest, when COVID hit, because my B2B business was hit so hard, again, the silver lining was it really didn't need me the way it used to. My team could cover for me. So I was able to shift my presence to learning the D2C, which I had a huge learning curve. Right now, I feel because we're almost, you know, the two years in, right, I've divided my time. So on Tuesdays, it's all brand. On Wednesdays, it's operational. On Thursdays, it's my B2B. It's my bread and butter, right? That's how I've done it. And so that is working out. So I'll have five meetings on Tuesday, all dealing with my brand. It was all consuming in the beginning, to tell you the truth, because I didn't know what I was doing. And so now I'm starting to feel a little bit more confidence. The team's getting a little bit more organized. The reporting's starting to make sense. So it took two years almost, yeah. It definitely does take time, especially when, when launching a brand. You said you had a big learning curve for launching D2C. What were some of your biggest learnings? Well, I didn't know how to keep anybody honest that worked for me right? What are the reporting metrics that really, really matter? When somebody built my site, they did not do a good job. I could not. And we, we spent a lot of money and I couldn't keep them honest about that. And, you know, everything, the agencies we hired, I didn't know how to manage it. That, that was the problem. I thought I had leadership in place and that didn't work out. So then I was thrown into that role which at the end of the day, again, I'm going to say was a good thing because I had to go to school. I was in school, how to do this business. Now, it's kind of been always my path, the school of hard knocks, <laughs> but I don't regret it because now whoever I hire, no matter if they're a rock star, if they are a rock star, thank goodness, then I'll know. And it's going to be difficult now for someone to kind of get things over on me. <laughs> and yeah. Are there certain questions you ask in inter interviews now with your team that you weren't asking initially based on your learnings? hundred percent. And it's, you know, it's again, the focus, like, are they going to be focusing on, you know, more the, the website, you know, right. And the build of the website and the traffic on the site and the co consumer experience, is it going to be more about my segmentation in my emails and how we're going to be managing that? Is it going to be more about, you know, the, like, I want to do a global play. Like how are they, how would they know how to you know, do this expansion? They influence their marketing. What is, how do they go about it? Because again, there's budgets I need to release. And that was the problem. I was micromanaging because I did not feel confident releasing budgets. And now the whole other thing is about this brand storytelling. How are we going to become more about community engagement? This is what I'm looking for now. Like who are the people? that are gonna help me build a real brand, not just a product brand. The, you know, the emails that go out talk a lot about product, but I wanna start talking about, we're thought leaders, the education, the brand pillars, like how do we do this? So this is my next big learning this year. How is your team organized right now? How many people do you have? We're pretty lean. There's about six of us you know, in, in a group of you know, 400 plus. And what's great about a brand though, you can have partners, like you can have a brand agency for PR, you can have a brand agency for digital. It's just hiring the right partners. Like e-com is so hot right now because of COVID, right? Everybody is pivoting. So it's very competitive. I'm in a bit of a beauty desert in Atlanta. It's a little bit more difficult to hire people with beauty experience, relocating potentially, you know, people, I mean, it's a little tough. So Seeking those partners right now. 
and those platforms because there's so much good data. It's like, how do we just need to read the data? So you don't need a huge team. You just need the right information and metrics that we're all looking at together. Yep, and figure out what's working with e-com and put more spend into to what's moving the needle. <laughs> and that's what we need to figure out. And how much can that spend be? I think, you know, that's the dynamic thing, right? Absolutely. Did you end up having to rebuild your website? We're going to do it. Yeah. So I found somebody really good who helped me kind of like tear everything out. That was slowing us down. Like our bounce rate was huge in the beginning, like huge. And so, so she's figured it out. She's, I'm just, I'm blessed that she walked into the door. So she's really, you know, our bounce rates like very minimal now, which is great. And our conversions much better. How did you come up with the name for the brand? Well, my business, when I started it, when I was 24, I met this gentleman and he and I were conversing about my, you know, me starting a company. He said, you should just use your name. I said, why? He said, well, so it's a good name. Nobody really knows it. It's just, it, it sounds like it could be a beauty business. I'm like, okay, that's how I started Nice International. And then that's, everything's come from, you know, my name and people sometimes do not know there's an Anissa which is funny, which I love really, you know, they don't need to know it's me. Yeah. So that's how it happened. I wouldn't have named my business. I think my name when I, you know, if I knew what I knew now, but it is what it is, you know, it's original. Are you working on building your personal brand on social media to connect with your consumers? Yes. Yes. Um, that brand ambassadorship, again, the things with my philanthropic and that are really important to me and that I have all this knowledge and have been doing this for so long. And I want to empower other entrepreneurs. So that will be part of the brand ambassadorship. So we, I had a meeting before you with the person who's helping me do that. Yeah. That's awesome. And one of the reasons I think we connected and, and partnered together to, to really share your story with our entrepreneurista community, because it is stories like yours and hearing these lessons and all of the incredible information that you share, it's, it's helping so many women. And you have, as you've just shared with us for the past, you know, 30 minutes have so many learning lessons and, and advice to share. And it's just remarkable what you've built and the resilience and determination that you've had even through all of the hard times over the years. And, and we all have them. It's definitely not easy building a business, but together and being able to learn from one another, that's, that's what makes us all successful. And I think, and, and keep going, not giving up. <laughs> I think the thing that's different between me and some, you know, entrepreneurs, I, I feel like there's VC entrepreneurs and then there's grassroots entrepreneurs and I'm your grassroots entrepreneur. I did not want to give anything away. I wanted to be in total control. And there, and when you're in the business as an entrepreneur, it's very different than using someone else's money. And so I can really speak to people and women who are in it day to day. Those are the people that will really resonate with me. Can you speak to us a little bit about your philanthropic initiatives? Yes. So when I was about 10 years into the business, I started to realize that number one, there's a lot of need always. I became more aware, I guess, when you think of Maslow's, you know, hierarchical, you know, this involvement, I started to go up this triangle a little bit. My, my everyday needs were being taken care of. I had the opportunity to take nice vacations. I can have a nice car now and add some money in savings. And, and so I started to really become more aware that I wanted to do something that made a difference. I started to also see that my employees wanted to do things that made a difference. And then when we took any kind of, we didn't any kind of engagement, they really got turned on by it. It, it made them proud to be part of my business. So I started with an organization in Atlanta called Families First, and we really were able to give back to actual families. We would see the mother and the father and the kids, and we knew what we were giving them. And that's how I've loved to give back. Then I met a CEO and they would be women and I would want to contribute to their organization. So one of the larger organizations I contribute to in the almost last 18 years is Lifeline Animal Project. So we have made Atlanta a no-kill city, which means that, you know, Animals are not being euthanized. That should not be. We have a lot of healthy and treatable and adoptable animals in Atlanta now. We're running the two shelters and I, we have a uh, low cost community animal center. 
that you can, people want to keep their animals, but sometimes it's just very expensive. And so we make it easier for them. And now with the brand, there'll be a whole nother point of view about really wanting to educate people in the community about women's health, the voting issues, you know, that we have and really looking to justice for all, no matter your race, your gender, it should not matter. You know, we should all be treated equally. So how can I educate people if they want to align with us? How can people help? So that's part of our philanthropic also. That's truly incredible. And it's amazing how much you give back and, and prioritize doing that in, in your business, in your life. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. All right, Anissa, this is a fun segment we like to do. We're going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So the first few words that come to your mind, are you ready? Oh God. Okay. Okay. Describe yourself in three words. That's kind of tough. <laughs> That's really hard. Okay. I am passionate. I am, I, I don't want to say old, but I want to say wise. Like I, I have really learned from my lessons in life. So there is a wisdom now that I have. And I'm, I'm also um, very, you know, grateful. I have a lot of gratitude. Where is your happy place? It was funny, we're in New York right now and I have many happy places. And one of them is New York. I feel like it's my adulting city. My husband and I get to come here and we get to do adult things, which I really like. He's from London. And so London is my creative city. I love being in London because we can jump off to other cities in Europe. The world just seems so big to me in London and just the history there. And, you know, we get to do theater and galleries and just, I just love being there. And then my happy place is when I go to bed with my husband and my two dogs, and we're all just kind of like snuggled in bed. I think those are, that moment is the sweetest moment I've ever had in my life. Like I'm so happy when we all, you know, and when we wake up in the morning, I know it's just like, makes me want to cry. Like I just, you know, I can't get enough of that. I love that. If you could learn one new skill today, what would it be? Oh my goodness. I wish I could do my own graphics and my own creative. I wish I, cause I feel like I have to take what's in my head and give it to other people. I wish I could just do it myself. Just download the Canva app. Do you know about Canva? Yeah, but I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> I, I mean, I have too much shit to do. I know. I yeah. can. <laughs> you know, I can barely get my Duolingo in to learn my Spanish. You know, like, <laughs> I want, I wish I could take the photo, edit the photo. I wish I had more time because I love photography. I love all that. And I just don't have time to do it. Yeah. What are you reading at the moment? Uh, well, I've been reading this lymph love thing that I really dig and really learning her, um, her, you know, education about how to move the lymph through the system. And that's what I'm into her diagrams, understanding the premise for it. I just think it's pretty interesting. And finally, last rapid fire question. Do you have a hidden talent? I am really fun. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can dance. I love dancing and yeah, I can, I have some moves. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I think you're going to have to show Hopefully everyone we'll that all on go dancing Instagram. One day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to get a groove on. It's fun. <laughs> that's, that's good social media content as you start uh, creating more content. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what does a typical day outside of work look like for you? A typical like today after, and I can't wait to just end my day today. And what we're going to do is just walk around. Like we're going to walk. And I love to just see what's going on. Where am I drawn to? I don't like to make a plan. That's why I love traveling to cities. I just like to see where, what's going to come to me. What am I going to attract? And what am I, you know, going to come upon? I really believe in all, you know, kind of like where we're at will be drawn to us. So that's why I love, you know, to travel. And that's why I love new cities. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you live your life by? I do like an attitude of gratitude. That is the simplest thing. Whenever I'm having a really hard time or I'm feeling down in the dumps that I can just kind of snap me out. Do you believe in work-life balance? I believe in more now about self-care 
I think that we need to take care of ourselves. And that's something I didn't do for a long time. I really suffered for it. The people around me suffered it for it. I can tell when I'm getting burnt out. So Ariana Huffington's book, when I read it about burnout resonated with me. And so when I'm starting to get burned out or really frustrated, I start to pull back. When I see I'm skinning snappy, it's not right. So I need to, I know that I'm missing something. And so then I got to go fill myself back up. And that's what I have gotten over the idea of being guilty for that. Mm-hmm. It's my life. You know, I got to take care of myself. Are there certain things you do now that are part of your routine to take care of yourself? Yes. Um, you know, definitely meditation is something I'm highly committed to and it is transformative. So I've been doing this now five years, every morning I need to meditate. I'm also starting to do some Qigong exercises, which are really cool. Some energetic exercises and visualizations. If I'm feeling really caught up in my head, there's things that I can do to balance it and bring it down. Exercise, number one, eating right baths, I think are the best thing in the world. I'm a big bath person. I'm I'm all into it. (laughs) Just what I put in the bath. Now there's really good salts that are clearing and cleansing and sleep, right? All the things we know we need to do that it's so hard to get to sometimes. I know I'm the, I'm the same. If I don't get, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep, even if it's broken, cause I have a two-year-old and I, my sleep is broken, but if I at least get those seven, eight hours, it's so important because if you don't sleep, it's so hard to show up and be your best self for your family, for work. So I'm all with you. <laughs> I do think it's letting ourselves let our hair down a little bit. So going a bit like outside of the box and being a little bit crazy sometimes is good for me. I may feel like crap the next day (laughs) or like, oh my God, what did I just do? You know, I'm out of control, but just having a good time with people, you know, enjoying, you know, these people around us that we love, I think is everything too. Is there anything you wish you knew sooner in your career? Yeah, I wish I would have, you know, really looked at my value. You know, I really sold myself short in a lot of ways. I didn't know how much I was offering because I didn't have a degree. I wasn't formally trained. So I thought I was just lucky to be doing what I was doing, but I had a lot of good skill that I didn't understand that I was really able to help people and make their businesses better pretty quickly. So I didn't give myself enough credit for that. And therefore the people I attracted to work for me or the way I took care of myself or the way I thought of myself, you know, was limiting. So I think it's recognizing what we bring to the table earlier is very important. So important. Something we always recommend to all of the women in our community is celebrating all of the wins, even things that may seem small, little things and sharing them with everyone. Because I remember for years, like when Courtney and I first started social fly, we were just like heads down, go, 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 go for those first few years, a few years into our business, we rented this larger office space. And I remember Courtney and I were sitting in her office and we had these, you know, glass windows and looking out at the team and the office. And we were like, oh my gosh, we did this. We built this. And it was like the first time we sat there and really, you know, celebrated and looked at what we had done. And it's so important, you know, for women who are starting their businesses now, like every day, find those little things to celebrate and those little wins because they turn into huge accomplishments and we're all doing such great stuff. I, you know, it's so true, but I think it would be just something made me think like, I feel like We should all sit in the middle of a room, have people around us who really love and support us. And they tell us what they see because we Mm -hmm. can't see it. We can't Mm -hmm. see how much we're doing, how much we've accomplished, who we've become. And just, you know, I think you should start that some kind of little workshop. (laughs) Yes. We'll, we'll do it with our entrepreneurista lead community for sure. That's such a good idea. Maybe we'll do it when you come speak to everyone. We'll make it part of the session. Yeah, that would be awesome. I love a good podcast brainstorm. Anisa, we could sit and chat with you for hours, and I know we're going to have more time with you coming up soon, but our final question today is, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? It means now to me, it's this idea of leadership. It's the idea of making impact 
and really sharing the journey so others can now follow and learn from the mistakes so they don't have to make them. And really, like you said, celebrate the wins faster. So we are paving the way for others. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing your story and journey. I know I've learned so much just from hearing all of your incredible experience and stories. And I know our entrepreneurs are going to love continuing to, to follow you. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And of course, buy all of your amazing products. So my Instagram is the real ATK and I'm active on LinkedIn and Facebook. So that's a great way to engage me personally through this brand ambassadorship that I'm doing and understanding how the mentorship, the philanthropic, and also brand connection. I also, you know, we have the anisabeauty.com and we're going to share with you guys a fantastic code. So Entreprenista 50 is going to last until April 15th, 2022, 50% off all our products. So that's exciting. That is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that code. And we will be linking out the code in the show notes as well. So everyone can easily tap through to your website. Anissa, thank you so much for being here again and sharing your incredible story. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenistas.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Founders are always asking us, what has been the secret to our success building multiple seven-figure businesses? Do you wanna know how? It's our community. We created the Entreprenista League for founders like you. Our members have access to everything we've used to grow our businesses over the past 10 plus years. To learn more and get on the wait list for when doors are open again, head over to entreprenista.com. That's entreprenista.com to get on the wait list.